0: Hello, hello. Hello. Big welcome to you to King's Arms Church Online. Hope you've had a really good week. My name's Carol. This is Phil. Welcome to the Wilthieu Home.
1: And if you're a regular attender with us to Online Church, welcome back. Great to be together again. Thanks so much for taking the time to connect and to worship God with us. And if you're here for the very first time, you're also incredibly welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you're not used to what Online Church might look like, Quite simply today we're going to worship Jesus through some singing, we are going to share some family news and have an opportunity to pray together and also hear some teaching from the Bible and then respond and connect to one another and you are most welcome to join us.
0: But to start us off we've got a little bit of a treat. You might remember last week we set us the challenge to send in a bit of a picture of us waving from home so we're going to show you a little video and you might spot a particularly good looking family I'd just like to apologize for the dressing gown but have a little look give yourselves a wave and let's watch this video looking great. I thought so, really
1: good. That
0: dressing gown looks good on me. Oh, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that video. We are going to spend some time worshipping Jesus now. And just a little note on this. I know for some of us, um, we might be finding it a little bit strange, a little bit difficult to actually engage in worship from our sofas at home with our family. And I know last week I had one person to my right singing slightly out of tune, another on my left, I won't mention any names, munching into toast and you know it can be a little bit distracting but I think what helps me is just to drown out all the other noises, all the other distractions. I personally ignore the chat during worship and I just focus on Jesus so I just want to encourage you do whatever helps you to connect with jesus on this and um, close your eyes if you don't know the song just listen to the words let it soak into your soul but let's pray and let's worship him again mm. jesus we do love you thank you that you are here with us thank you that your presence is real yes thank God. you that your love for us is great yes, and we God. just worship you this morning yes Lord. amen amen,
1: amen.
2: To you, our hearts are. God can be called a father. No other God can be called a friend. No other God can be called redeem. No other God's coming back again. And how beautiful one. We love your name. How we love your name. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. Girl yeah.
3: that right now if that's you if you are in need of healing in need of a breakthrough I just believe God's gonna heal right now so if if that's you why don't you just place a hand on part of your body that hurts or lift your hands to God And father we just declare healing right now of every broken bone every broken heart Jesus, you are king above sickness, king above cancer, Lord, king above coronavirus. Jesus, we believe in you. The one who brings the dead to life. We just release healing right now. And to everyone listening, everyone watching, come Holy Spirit. Sing the God. The God he was and is to come,
2: the power of the risen one, the God who brings the dead to life, you're the God of miracles, the God of miracles, singing again now.
0: we thank you that you really are the god of miracles thank you history tells us of the amazing things that you have done many times over and we just declare right now that you're the god of the breakthrough you are the way maker you are our healer our provider our restorer and i just want to pray for each and every person that needs a breakthrough of some kind, that you would come upon us, Jesus, by the power of your spirit. I want to release healing right now over broken bodies. I want to release financial breakthrough for those that are needing and trusting you for that kind of breakthrough. Father, we just declare the name of Jesus over each and every situation right now.
1: Thank you, Lord. Yeah, if you do need a miracle, why not you, maybe if you can, stand to your feet wherever you're watching this or just lift your hands as a sign of openness to God. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, will you rush in right now in your power and your presence? And we ask in the name of Jesus, impossibilities to come down. Yes. Lord, we speak to every sickness, every pain, every obstacle that sets itself up against your name and we command it to come down right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we say let faith rise amongst your people. Let faith rise. we thank you that faith comes by hearing of the word of the Lord. And so God, we hear your word now that nothing is impossible for you, that anything that we ask in your name will be done for us. Lord, that if we even speak to mountains to move, if we have faith, then they will move. And so we push mountains back right now by faith In Jesus, come Holy Spirit, we pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Listen, be encouraged. If you need a miracle, keep believing, keep trusting Jesus. We are seeing um, healings. We're seeing all sorts of things happen week on week because our God really is a God of miracles.
1: Yeah, and welcome to you again if you're just rejoining us. uh, It's great to have you with us please hang around afterwards to connect either through prayer or for coffee in one of our chat rooms. We would love to connect with you after this service is finished. And uh, many of you will have been aware of the events that have been unfolding across the world this past week and a half with the tragic killing of George Floyd in America and the subsequent outpouring of grief and emotion and anger and cries for racial justice across the world. And Uh, We, like many others, have watched horrified as the reality of racial injustice has again been exposed. And we want to say unequivocally, God hates racism. And that racism is not just a black issue or a white issue. Racism is a kingdom issue. Racial justice is something that God cares about because he stands with the oppressed. He stands with those who have suffered injustice. And We are standing right there with you. If you have ever been uh, the victim of racism, then we stand with you and we are praying with you and we are fighting with you. And as one family from many different nations, many different backgrounds, we are fighting and calling on God for an end to racial injustice. And so we wanted to take some time today to pray into these issues. And so we've asked some friends just to help lead us in prayer. And so we're going to watch a short video with some prayer in. And I would just encourage us, church family, let's join together and pray together right now.
4: Jesus, we know and trust that you are the hope
5: for every person, every tongue and every nation. You are a just God
4: who knows the pain that's been felt, the tears that have been cried and the fears that have been carried. Thank you that you are the God of justice and you see and care about every
5: kind of racial injustice.
0: We want to be a people who are not indifferent to racism, but who echo your heart's cry for justice to flow like a mighty river. We humble ourselves before you and ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate our wrong thinking and behaviour, to help us commit to change.
6: We pray for your kingdom come.
0: Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to leave our cries before you, Lord. Our hearts are so heavy. Help us to remember that you hold our world in your hands, that you are right there with us.
3: We pray for boldness to stand up against all injustice, courage to have the difficult conversations and humility to examine ourselves to ensure that our hearts align with yours.
0: Father, our hearts break for the family of George Floyd and for his community and for all of our brothers and sisters in this nation and across the nations who suffer at the hands of systemic racism. And God, we look to you, we turn to you and we ask, Or would your kingdom come? Would your justice be done, God? Would righteousness come?
6: Lord, there is a lot of pain amongst um... My fellow brothers and sisters in this season, Lord, but your word says that you are close to those who are brokenhearted. And we just pray for a healing of the heart, of the mind, of past experiences of racism, Lord. Lord, we denounce racism as the body of Christ. We denounce racism as the body of Christ. Lord, we decree and declare that something has to break. Lord, that even in this moment, as I'm praying, Father Lord, that your kingdom is coming and breaking through into this darkness. Lord, you have called us to be a light in this dark world, Lord. And regardless of the color of our skin, Lord, we will be lights in this dark situation, Lord. We denounce racism, Father Lord, in the body of Christ. We stand with those who are oppressed, Father Lord. We ask for courage, Father Lord, for, for members of the other races right now, Lord, that they Will also denounce racism, Father Lord, and speak up that they will no longer remain silent, Father Lord, as people are constantly being oppressed on a daily basis for the simple fact that they were born in a different skin tone, Lord. We believe that you came to, um, to save the entire church and not just a specific race, Lord. Lord, you have called us for unity, and there is a reason why you have made every single one of us in different skin tones, Father Lord. You made no mistake when you made me this color. And Lord, I believe this is true for everyone else. And so Lord, we just call on you in this time, Lord, that you will be a fair judge. Lord, we rest in, we rest in the hope of you coming to judge this world one day, Father Lord, with fairness. Father Lord, but till then we ask for courage as the body of Christ to do what is right and speak up for those who are oppressed.
1: Jesus, we want to thank you that you died so that one day there will be men and women from every tribe and tongue gathered around your throne, worshiping you. Father, teach us to humble ourselves, to learn from one another. Let there be peace and reconciliation so that right now we can model that to the world around us, in Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, we pray for an end to injustice, for an end to racism, for your kingdom to break in. Lord, where there is pain and there is distress and where there's anger right now, we say kingdom of God, will you break in. King of heaven, will you bring your rule onto this planet? Lord we thank you that your word says that at the end of the ages around the throne of Jesus there are going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language worshipping Jesus and that you have now ended every wall of hostility that stood between us and you and one another and we thank you Lord that the gospel is the answer. Lord the fact that Jesus you came for us people from many different backgrounds, but you've made us one in Christ. And that's what we pray for. We pray for a different story to be told where we see the light breaking into every dark place. And we pray for anyone in our own church family who's experienced racial injustice in any shape or any form. We pray right now that you would experience the peace of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and that you would know his wisdom and his presence in your life and know that you are celebrated and loved and part of a family that's praying and standing with you today. Lord, we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, we have some more family news for you now. and. Lots of you will know we've got a bit of a tradition here at King's Arms Church. We love to have our Lion King moment where we introduce new arrivals. Sorry about that, our own little lion cub there. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a lovely little montage of beautiful people to introduce you to, so watch this.
4: Oh, wow. Hi everyone, I'm Nathan and this is Danny
0: And this is Ezra Gray Clements
4: he was born on the 27th of March, 2020, by a uh,
5: C-section. Um, and
0: I'm sure you'll agree that he's very, very cute.
1: <laughs> oh, that was lovely, wasn't That was it? great. I loved that. Do you remember when we had little children like that? No. No, that not no I do. Day. Well... Uh, If you want to give, uh, you can do right now by clicking the give button. Thank you so much for your ongoing generosity and just for standing together as a church family in this season by giving so generously. Thank you. And we are now going to turn to the word of God. Uh, We are entering a new teaching series called Pictures of the Church. And to kick us off in this new series is the amazing Simon Holly. Simon, over to you.
4: Well, hello, King's Arms family and and those who are watching from around the world and uh, today we are bringing a new beginning a new series on the church what is the church who is the church who is the church meant to be i don't know what you feel when you hear the word church people have different responses i've found some people are confused by the word church i don't really understand what it's meant to be some people are actually hurt by the word church they've had bad experiences in the church some people are neutral kind of indifferent to the word church it kind of means nothing to them Uh, some people are positive they have enjoyed being part of a church what does it mean to you when i say the word church i i have to be careful sometimes when i'm around those who don't follow jesus when i use the word church because i know when i say church i think one thing but they so often hear something very, very different. But you know, in a world uh, where things are being reset, we're in this kind of global lockdown reset, we thought this would be a perfect time to look again at the church, to look at the church of Jesus Christ. What is the church meant to be? Let's reimagine, re-understand what the church is, and we're gonna look at some of the pictures in the Bible of the church and there are some incredible pictures that are painted of metaphors if you like images of what the church is meant to be a church as an army church as a family church as a body and church as a temple these are all some of the pictures but probably the most unusual and the most interesting for us to look at today is going to be church as bride church as bride the the church is described as a bride and you know it couldn't be a more timely message as we are all reeling from the death of george floyd uh, globally uh, reeling from the murder of this black man there's no better time i think than to look at the church as bride because within these truths within the scriptures the passages that we will read today are some incredible incredibly profound thoughts that actually within them contain the seeds to undermine racism to undermine injustice and to bring justice and unity into not only the church, but into the world itself. And so let's take a a fresh look. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think you're gonna find some things that are surprising because you may have had different experiences of the church when you see what Jesus intended his church to look like. And if you're a teenager, I want to give you a vision of the church because what you do with your Christian life, if you're a follower of Jesus, will be determined by how you see his church. You can't love Jesus without loving his church. And until you've seen the church as it's meant to be, you can't properly love her. You need to see a vision of the church and why so many of us have given our lives to lead and to serve in the church. And if you are a follower of Jesus, maybe over many years and maybe a bit kind of jaded with the whole thing of church and today's an opportunity to see again what jesus what what he built what he died for what he wanted us to build for in this life as we live together in the church so let me let me pray lord help us help me As we look at these subjects, as we look at this subject today, help me, give me the words to say. I pray, Lord, in my failing, faulty words, as we look at some things that are difficult to talk about, I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to say things that are wrong, but I pray for grace on the behalf of those who are listening. I pray for wisdom as I speak on this subject, and I pray that your word would come alive and would convict us and change us and challenge us in your mighty name. Amen. John the Baptist was the first one to recognize Jesus. And when he recognized Jesus, Jesus comes onto earth And he recognises him, he introduces him, not just as a saviour, not just as a king, not just as a lord, but he introduces him as the bridegroom. He introduces him as the bridegroom. And Jesus himself, in Mark chapter 2, verse 19, says this, Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. He's talking about himself. He's referring to himself as he refers to himself as the bridegroom. Jesus echoes John's thoughts that he's the bridegroom. What the question ha- has to be then, if Jesus is the bridegroom, who is the bride? What? What is, who is this woman? Who's the bride if he is the bridegroom? And that's where we have to pause for a moment and understand a little bit about uh, ancient Jewish weddings we have to understand something about their marriage ceremonies to understand what's going on here because uh, I know many of you won't be interested you know you're not subscribing to bride monthly or even uh, even less ancient bride monthly but but just bear with me a minute because I think you'll see as we understand exactly how marriages went on in those days we will understand something of what the Bible would t- to us about when it talks to us about the bride and the bride groom. And there are seven different words I want to explain very quickly that were important. The first was chosen, the second was holiness, the third was covenant, the fourth was gifts, the fifth was washing, separation, and return. These seven words kind of describe, there are others, but these really describe some of the differences about ancient Jewish weddings. And the first thing is this, chosen. In ancient times, in ancient Israel, the, the bride didn't choose the groom, actually. The groom, actually it was the father of the groom, chose the bride. And you see that in, in Abraham's day, way, way back, he sent his servant to find a bride for his son Isaac. They agreed together. And, and that's what happened. The, the father and the, and the groom agreed together and they together went and chose the, the bride which is very alien to our thinking but this concept of being chosen the bride being chosen was very instilled in some cultures today is very very special and very precious to them and I know there's all sorts of issues around it get me but the the good side of it is that the bride she always knew she was chosen the second uh, part of it is this the word holy the ancient Jewish marriage ceremony considered of two main parts the first part of that was the betrothal And the betrothal occurred over 12 months before the actual wedding. The Hebrew Hebrew word for that literally means holiness. There was a time of holiness. It meant to be set apart. It was a time when the bride and the bridegroom were set apart for each other, and it took a 12 month period, sometimes longer than that. They were called to be holy for one another, set apart for one another. And the third word that would be important in this is to understand the word covenant. Because their betrothal of the bride and groom was not like our engagement, it was a lot stronger, it was a lot richer, it was a lot more powerful. It was based on a covenant, a covenant that they made together. The groom covenanted himself to his bride that he would protect her and serve her and honour her and be there for her through thick and thin. It was a serious, non, uh, uh, and it was as good as, as marriage. Apart from the consummation, everything else was as good as marriage. The bride was covenanted and the groom were covenanted together. And the fourth is washing brides in ancient israel actually still do this today actually and the brides will will still have go through this experience of mikvah which is a washing a pool of water used for purification and she was would literally be uh, completely immersed in this pool of water mikvah as a preparation for her wedding day and then there's gifts at the betrothal the bridegroom would give gifts to his bride and you see that again in the story of Abraham where the servant brings gifts to Rebekah who's about to be the bride of Isaac. Uh, she, he brings these gifts of gold and um, precious stones and, and things that he offers to her. And, and that was very the way it was. The way that the, 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 the bridegroom committed himself and made the promise. was If she didn't see him for a while then she knew she could look at the gifts and know that he had given these gifts to her as a sign of his covenant. And then the strange thing unusual for us is the word separation, because once the betrothal had been uh, undergone, the groom would then return to his father's house and he would return to his father's house. And in his father's house, he would prepare a, a bridal chamber, a place for her to come to. And it would often be over a year that he was gone and there would be this season of preparation where the bride made herself ready to leave her parents' home and to move into a new place with her her future husband. And then the last word is return. A bride in ancient Israel did not know the day or when the groom would return. In fact, even the groom didn't know because it was up to the father. The father was the one who would inspect the groom's work and he would decide if the chamber was ready he would decide if the place was ready and at that point when the when all the preparations were done and the time was right he would give the word to the groom to say now it's time to go and get your uh, your uh, bride and he would return for his bride the groom would return she didn't know when he was coming he would return for his bride and then in a bridal procession he would take her back to his father's house and that's when the marriage ceremony began and the wedding celebration began There's more but that's probably enough for us. The bride was chosen, she was called to holiness, she was set apart for her groom, she entered into a covenant, she was given gifts, she was washed, there was a season of separation and then when the father said the time was right, the groom returned. So back to our question, if Jesus is the bridegroom and calls himself the bridegroom, who is the bride? Well, the bride was chosen, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you. If you've become a follower of Jesus, you were chosen by him. But I know it's complicated for us. Did you respond to Christ or did he call you? But under under all of it, the security of this is there, that he chose you that he picked you out and he chose you. You are the bride of Christ because he chose you. If, you follow, if, you're caught, if you're following him, then you can only follow him because he chose you first. That's what scripture clearly teaches us. And it gives us an incredible security in our faith. It gives you a confidence that when things are tough and when you feel rejected by the world and when even you feel oppressed or when you, whenever you feel eject, rejected in the church even, that you know deep down that you are the bride of Christ that you are chosen in Christ that when you identify with the man on the floor who is being broken and having the life choked out of him when you identify with that man and you're feeling oppressed then remember that you are part of the bride of Christ you are chosen and when even you identify with a man who's got his knee on his neck when you realise that there is stuff in your heart that you just by the colour of your skin are part of a society that set this whole scene up, when you realise that this is all part of your heritage and inheritance as well, when you feel broken by that, remember that you are chosen, that no matter what your skin tone, the oppressed or the oppressor, we have all been chosen in Christ if we are part of his body. It's profound, isn't it? It's humbling. It's a, it's a place of unity. It's a place of coming together. And the bride was declared holy. The Apostle Paul, one of the earliest followers of Jesus, says, to one of his churches in Corinth, which was a cesspit of sexual sin and all sorts of vices. He says this, for I feel divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, you are called to be holy. When the enemy says you're filthy, when he says you're a mess, either because you identify unconscious biases and even racism in your own heart, when you identify that stuff and realize it's filthy and you need to repent or sexual sin or brokenness, or when even you identify that you've been under the fear of racism and it's kept you silent. And this whole situation, as a friend of mine said, is like a sticking plaster ripped off of years of brokenness and fear and anger that have all just come out. And he's realized there is also stuff in my heart that I need to repent of. When this all comes to the surface, We recognize that he is the one who makes us holy. He is the one who makes us holy. Whatever the enemy wants to say to you in this, through this whole season, wherever he's pointing the finger at you, accusing you of wrong, remember this. And this is one of the things I've learned in the Christian life, that we don't start by changing our behavior. We start by realizing our identity. And when we realize our identity, that's the thing that provokes a change in behavior. When we realize that we are together the bride of Christ, that we are united no matter what our skin color or our pigment is or our race or our background, we are united together. We have all been made holy. And from that place of an identity transformation, it's from that place that our behavior can change because then our thinking can change. We start to think differently And then we start to act differently and the bride was washed remind you of anything she was washed in this pool this mikvah remind you of anything that each one of us what does it say in baptism mark 16 he who believes and is baptized in water will be saved but he does not believe will be condemned that each one of us black white asian doesn't matter where we've come from rich poor We're all united in baptism. Every one of us who wants to follow Christ has to go through baptism, has to be baptized together. Every one of us is united on the same ground, no matter where we've come from, we've been washed, we've been cleaned for our wedding, no matter what has happened to us or what we have done. The message of the gospel, is that the waters of baptism are a unifying place. That's what we celebrate, isn't it? When we see someone baptised, doesn't matter. We don't even know their story necessarily all the time, but we celebrate because we identify with them. And isn't this season, isn't this time a place of identification with one another, of coming together with one another? You know, the Lord um, spoke to me sometime, some years ago, I've told you before of when I, uh, was speaking with someone and he asked me, have you ever repented of the sin of pride, Brother Simon? And I said, well, I don't really think I'm a proud person. It wasn't the answer he was looking for. And, and he said, it's not the pride of haughtiness or arrogance, it's the pride of self-reliance. And I was skewered, I was, I was skewered to the sofa as I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. I'd always read the Bible and seen the word pride, and, and I'd never thought of myself as a proud person because I was looking at a definition of pride that applied to others, haughty, arrogant type people. I never realized that there's a pride of self-reliance that's equally as insidious and equally horrendous, and that equally needs to be washed and cleansed. And you know, some years ago, I was talking with a friend who was a pastor and he was telling me about his New Year's crossover service and he was saying how many hundreds of people have come to it just celebrating the New Year. He said, do you do a crossover service? I said, we don't do a crossover service. As I walked away from that, I realised that I would never have called myself a racist. But there's an unconscious bias that prefers the things that your race, your skin colour, your... People of your background prefer and overlooks the things of others. And my friend had told me, and he said, for for a black Christian, the crossover service is the most important service of the year. I don't know if that's true for you if you're from that background, but he says, it's the most important service of the year, more more than Easter Sunday, more than than even uh, Christmas day. The crossover service is one of the most foundational services in their year. He was surprised that we didn't do one. As I walked away, I realized That's a reason that we don't do one. It's because there's an unconscious bias in my heart. And then when Yvonne approached me and said, hey, can we do a crossover service? I was immediately, it was not long after I said, let's do it. And we together began to put that on a few years ago. But you know what? Here's the other mistake I made. I never told you guys about that. I never told you why we suddenly started doing a crossover service. It was because there was a repentance on the inside. of. A realization of an unconscious bias, and I'm sure there are many others, and I'm so sorry, not only for having them and for having it, but for not telling you about the journey. Whatever we discover about our own hearts in this season, I know many white people are deeply wounded by their own sin, by their own unconscious biases. It's the good news for us. We've been washed. We've been washed. Together, and you might be from a different skin color and have a different skin color, and you might find other stuff in your heart in this season. We've been washed together. Together we can know the forgiveness of Christ. Together we can know forgiveness for one another. We've been washed, because we are the bride of Christ. And the bride received gifts from her groom, Max. Chapter 2, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday where we forgot, I'm sorry, sorry, to reference the fact that it was Pentecost Sunday. (laughs) Not a blunder. And Pentecost Sunday is the day that the church remembers That the Spirit came, that our groom, our bridegroom left us a gift, the most precious gift of all, his Holy Spirit. He left his Holy Spirit to change us and to fill us. And the Spirit is the comforter. He comes first. Jesus introduced him first, not as the power, the wind, as the rook. No, no, as the comforter, he said. I will leave you the comforter. He knew that his disciples were going to be grieving when he left. And so he said, I'll leave you the comforter. Holy Spirit, he will come to you. And so if you're in this season and you're grieving and there's an anger and there's a pain on the inside because of this situation has just exposed stuff that's been going on for so many years. know this. The comforter. He has come for you. the comforter. He has come to comfort you and to bring you to wholeness and to freedom and to life. And Jesus has sent him for you right now in this day, in this time. And he's the Holy Spirit of unity to open our eyes. This is a season for not even necessarily making quick changes, but to listen, to stand with one another, to walk with one another, to befriend one another in a fresh way, in a deeper way, to talk about things that perhaps we haven't talked about. He's a spirit of unity, he does that. Love, my friend was telling me this week, he said he, he, the thing that changed him was having a black friend. First time he'd really had a, a deep black friend. This friend is now the, the step, is the godfather of his son. And he said, but he used to say to his friend, oh, you've just got to get your chip off your shoulder about this racism thing. That was years ago. We're done, it's a different world now. And then they went on a road trip. And he said in the space of, I think it was 24 hours, he witnessed himself three racist incidents that his friend went through in the space of 24 hours on one road trip. And as they finished it, he said, I am so sorry. You see, he walked a day in his friend's shoes and he saw the world different as a different way and he said it changed him, it changed him. He never said that to his friend again about having a chip on his shoulder because he realized this is still going on, this is still live in small ways and in big ways. This is still live for you, and I'm so sorry for never seeing it. And the bride experienced separation. What did Jesus say in John 14? In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. You are the one Jesus has gotten to prepare a place for. Some people say, why has he gone for so long? But we don't know, but what we do know is this, what he's doing is preparing a place for you. We're united now as the waiting bride, as waiting for the return of our husband. He is the only one who can clean up this mess. But while we wait, we prepare ourselves. We prepare for his return. We don't want him to come back and find a disjointed, disunited, infighting bride, ghettoized into different groups of people. No, we want him to find one glorious bride, united together, no matter what our colors or our backgrounds or our social status. We want him to find a bride prepared for his return. And then the return, Mark 13 Jesus himself says, but of the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, but only the father. Suddenly makes sense, doesn't it, why he said that? Because he was positioning himself as the groom. The one who doesn't know, he's preparing the place, but it's the father who says, now is the time. This is the time that it is ready. And we read about the the marriage feast, Revelation 19 verse 7. Let us rejoice and exult. Give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb. That's another name for Jesus has come and his bride has made herself ready. Revelation 21 verse 4, verse 1, sorry. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city and new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You and I are the ones that Jesus is coming back for. The church is the bride of Christ. We are the bride that he is coming for, he's returning for. We'd better come buy that dress. Because you know what? He wants a bride who is dressed in white. She won't be white, by the way. She's every color under the sun. And he's actually not even white either, he's Middle Eastern, so that's a whole nother preach. The Bible begins with a marriage. Adam and Eve, and ends with a marriage, Jesus and the church, his bride. Here's the question, what will he find when he returns? The decisions we make today, in this day, I believe this is a new 9-11, this is a moment when the world changes. It's no longer a war on terror, but it's a war on racism. There's something that's begun, and it's a holy war that the church must fight and must stand up because as a black friend of mine said, the silence is deafening. It's time to speak out, it's time to stand up. It's time to stand shoulder to to shoulder. Jesus stood shoulder to shoulder with people that no one else would stand shoulder to shoulder with. It's time for us, his bride, to stand shoulder to shoulder as a unified voice across the globe. We will stand for this no longer in our workplaces, in our schools, we stand for this no longer, on our streets, in our homes. Pastor Habita Enibuile says this, we need a revolution, but we need a revolution built on love. Everything else is a house of cards. This is a holy war. It's a war of love. And it starts as the church begins to listen and engage and become the multicolored, joy-filled bride of Christ that she was always being built made to be. Wherever you are, why don't we just bow our heads for a moment, for a moment's silence, for George Floyd and for his family. Let's pray that his death is not wasted, but that it begins a revolution, a revolution of love. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.
1: thank you so much for that fantastic message Simon so good. Uh, I would encourage you apply these things this week think about these truths don't just let them go in one ear and out the other but spend some time with God and pray through these things we've just heard particularly ask God is there any unconscious bias racial bias that I live with that needs to change father show me any offensive way and lead me in your way ask him these things this week apply the truth that we've heard
0: and if you have wanted to become a Christian or you would like to please click on the live prayer chat we've got people who would love to chat to you who would love to pray with you who'd love to explain a little bit more about what we're about or if you need prayer for anything at all back to those miracles that we were talking about click on that live prayer button and we would love to pray for you and let's see what God will do but that's basically it from us this week we hope you have an amazing week this is it from him
1: and it's it from her. Great to see you guys. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. God bless you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.